On this week's episode, we talk about an interview with Lucas Trainer in Slovenia, and then a fun, very hard Mavericks quiz that Dave Dufour will not ace. Makes it a two-point game. Oh, here's the mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is, as always, Tim Cato, the Mavericks beat writer with The Athletic. Um, and with me today, for yet another day, seems like seems like most days. A lot of days. A lot of days, yeah. Too many days, if we're, more, if we're more, more More days than, than More days, days than basketball games. Ooh. Harsh. Too soon. Yeah. Still too yeah. soon. It's, it's still too raw. <laughs> yeah um, we're almost I mean, back it looks we're like almost back we're, getting we're almost there. back yeah we'll know with, for sure in a week with most players it seems like i don't want to get into that but yeah i don't i don't think any maverick is is part of the skip coalition um so with that said i think we i think we can we can move right on for that I, i'm also just like i feel like i'm so out of touch like i've, I've been trying to keep up with it but it's just when was the what, what night on Twitter was it that everybody like I, so I had two people text me you need to get on Twitter right now it was Sunday a, or Monday that everything started coming out somebody tried to tell me it was like an elite day on NBA Twitter oh and no. I had to first remind of all, them that's that there's no such thing the only the only day that was ever DeAndre, any good DeAndre was Jordan, DeAndre Jordan. yeah that was and I was I was involved in covering that I was I was still at Mavs Moneyball I was what year was that? so heavily uh, 2015 I was so heavily invested in that entire process yeah that was the best day on twitter even even as someone who was a mavericks fan you know or or kind of a mavericks fan trying to process it and and certainly a mavericks writer trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how the hell to cover something that absurd that was the best day on twitter and there's been a few other ones um chris paul leading um the the, tunnel the the tunnel the rockets the clip rockets clippers tunnel thing that was a mm-hmm. good good night as well someone's gonna do an article on this and and have a top 10 list i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure that'd be a good uh good listicle it'd be one I, I would read um so let's talk about some other news last friday i published an article with luca's slovenian trainer um mm-hmm. who is I'm, I'm mentally building up yure draxler Draxler, Yure, because the J is a is a Y sound. It's why mm-hmm. Ljubljana is the capital, not Ljubljana, which yeah, would be the very American way to say it if you pronounce the J's. But the yeah. J is a Y. Ljubljana, yeah. Ljubljana and Yure, uh, not Jure, Yure Draxler um, is the trainer that Luca is working mm-hmm. with in Slovenia. Um, although I think Luca's due back any day now, I believe the report date is was might have it might have been earlier this week. I forget. I'd have to check again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know international players are certainly in route. Yeah, back. they're on the way back. Right, right, right. Um, but Yure Draxler, uh, the Slovenian trainer, made new cycles. You probably hadn't heard of him. No, nobody had really heard of him. You know, he's not a household name by any means um, until he did an interview in Russian because. He works for a Russian team right now. He did an interview with a Russian sports media site. Um, and he talked about the shape Luca's in, as someone who was training Luca would do. And he was mistranslated. And the quote that went around is, Luca is not in good shape. 
which is not really what he said. It's in fact, it's absolutely not what he said. Um, he said, Luca is not in game shape. And then went on to say, furthermore, that no one is in game shape because to be in game shape, you have to play games. Right. Which, you know, that's a logical thing to say. But, yeah, I'm curious. uh, How much was this just a Mavericks Twitter phenomenon or or did you actually, did you see these headlines as well? Did you pick up on that quote? Yeah, I saw it. But, you know, Russian is a really hard language to translate to English. There are words that exist in Russian that just don't in English. Right. Um, well, did you just out I of studied Russian in college? <laughs> did you even get that far to realize it came from a Russian interview, or did you just no, see the headline? So quote? that was the thing, right? It was like aggregated poorly um, and, and translated poorly. You cannot just plug Russian into Google Translator. It, it really, it's a it's a bad way to do it. I mean, again, I studied Russian in college. Google Translator, like we were contributing to translations in Google Translator to make it better. <laughs> when I was in class, I mean, that was like a part of our, our class was, you know, hey, this is a useful tool if we can get it to where it needs to be. But it's just really hard. And Google Translate still is not great for Russian. Uh, I, I still use it occasionally. And you have to really know the Russian in order to parse the English translation. So, um, yeah, Russian, not great on Google Translate. So I'm not surprised that it was wrong. But uh, I didn't know that it was a Russian language interview until you told me ahead of your article. And so, you know, you see it and he's out of shape. Well, my assumption was out of game shape. It's only been three months. There's no way he's put on 25 pounds. And there's no way Lucas Trainer would say that loudly. Exactly. Because how publicly. did you have a job? Right. 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 <laughs> you can't motivate this guy to stay in shape. Um, then, then fifteen second problems. sidebar. It's very cool that that taking classes for language. You guys are like just trying to improve Google Translate. I wish. I just realized. I wish like some classes like are, you know, back back in college. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool if courses were like let's let's make a Wikipedia article better for something we're we're studying. That would yeah, be a well, really cool use of college classes. Anyway. Well, the goal was that we would be able to use it as a tool. You know, and, and so right. as we we're using it as a tool we were improving our own skills by improving the translations. Right, right, yeah. right. No, that that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. Anyway, that that has nothing to do with basketball whatsoever. No, but yeah. But anyway, so I'm not surprised that he's not in game shape. Guess what? Nobody's in game shape. Right. Maybe LeBron, yeah. right? Cuz LeBron has his own private court and probably had was able to pay people to quarantine with him just to play. Yeah, as Draxler um, said <laughs> um here, let me find the He's in good shape. He practices five on five. He's having strength and conditioning workouts. He's working really hard, but he doesn't have games. The misinterpretation or poor translation of international media. They just use Google Translator right here because I tried. I put it mm-hmm. in Google Translator and I saw this is how it translates. But if you translate it like it's supposed to be translated, there's the word game over here. That was the right. main part that was kind of missed. Right. Um, so that's that's what Draxler said, uh, told me in our one on one interview, uh, which is on the athletic.com um, free trials by the way, inside, if, if you do 30 day trials, I believe we're still running. Um, so that, that is, that is the interview. That is what he meant to say. That is obviously in context. If you looked into it, what he meant to say, it was, um, it was two aggregation errors. It was the first person who translated it, um, a European basketball site. Um, that one was probably the worst error. It, it should not have been, you know, you, you can't do that. You can't take Google translate um, as for the reasons we've given, you you can't just do that and say this is what he said. Um, and then the aggregation that happened after that was um, 
a bit salacious and messy. And it's just, you should do the proper research. I know that when I worked at SB Nation, we talked a lot about doing aggregation the right way. And in a scenario like this, I would have gone back to the source and I would have tried to understand how did this quote, where did this quote come from? How did it come from? And then I would have, you know, explained all that in an article. And the headline might have been something like, Luca's trainer says he's out of shape, but that might not actually be true, or that might be a mistranslation right. or something like that. You know, I would have, you know, it, it's something where we would have addressed the news article, but done it in a, in a responsible way, responsible aggregation. That's what we called it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, it's, it sounds just because you're aggregating doesn't mean you can't follow up. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I want, I want people who do aggregation to still view themselves and consider themselves journalists who can do some basic internet mm-hmm. reporting. Yeah. Um, that is always how I viewed uh, my job, you know, when, when it was, when it was a bigger part of my job. Um, and, and it's a shame that that hasn't really caught on, but, um, anyway, you want to hear a few more things that, that Drexler was, was telling me about? Yeah. I, you know, I, I read your article, but I, I'm really curious, um, you know, like what Luca's workouts were like given the quarantine conditions. You know, I know Slovenia wasn't particularly hard hit, um, but they still, you know, they they dealt with just like the rest of Europe. They were dealing with, uh, you know, lockdowns. So I'm very curious, like, how was he getting? Yeah, I mean, it seems like he was playing with former teammates. Uh, so I'm curious how that how that worked. Yeah, I wish I'd gone into even a little more specifics with uh, Ure about that. Um, I, I more talked to him about what they were focusing on, and obviously. If you remember back to Luca, he was dealing with the ankle um, and hand injury, and also I believe a finger injury, uh, two two separate hand injuries. I, I think to the same hand, if I remember right. And one, one, you know, one of the most important things they did was to make sure they were strengthening, you know, these nagging injuries that that he had been suffering. And uh, he feels great now. You know that that that's a, you know, it's it's. He's hardly the only NBA player who got this mini advantage, but Luca, especially, you know, leading the league in touches, or I believe second after, um, after Jokic, um, just someone, you know, even though he only plays about 32 minutes per game, uh, he has such an enormous role in those minutes that he does play. You know, I think these, these three months were, were really good for him. I, I think that he is in a much better, uh, much better health, much better refreshed state of being able to play, you know, high, very high level uh, professional games. Even if he's not in game shape, mm-hmm. I, I would guess that his overall health is in a better place, even if oh, his absolutely. conditioning has slipped a little bit because mm-hmm. he has been, you know, because he's been refreshed because he's he's been all these things. We, we've seen, you know, if, if you think about Luca, the, the thing, you know, we've we've talked about his conditioning a lot. But he always starts seasons really well, and it's it's halfway through a season the wear and tear, which is more than conditioning. It's it's the knocks he takes. It's the fact that he's such a big person who gets fouled a lot and receives a lot of contact. That's often what we point to as as wearing him down, as much as you know maybe his conditioning isn't isn't uh, you know as good as it could be yet. So I, I I would imagine Luca you know is is much much healthier and and better off. Well, also even. he had the ankle injury, right? Right. He's actually got time off to uh, heal. Right. You know he's going to come back. I, I've been talking about this a lot when talking about the comeback. Luca, James Harden, 
LeBron James, these guys that, that play big minutes and have a huge offensive burden, will probably see the, the best uptick as far as uh, efficiency goes because they're not going to be as tired. Right. Can the rest of their team take advantage of this? Also, heliocentric offense, right? So not only are these guys going to be fresh, like it's early in the season, but their offenses, I'm not going to say they're more simple, but they're less complicated. So it's it's going to be, you know, the learning curve or at least the uh, getting back to their baseline is going to be faster. So I, I think the Mavericks have a really good shot, depending on the first round matchup, at potentially getting out of the first round because of these things. One of the big ones for the Mavs is that Luka is going to be healthy and well rested. And my expectation right. is they're going to approach those eight games with that in mind, basically gearing gearing those guys up for that first round playoff series. It, you know, it's going to I expect Carlisle to use this very much like preseason. Everything you said I agree with. And yeah, I have nothing nothing to add. Um other other parts of this interview that I'll just skim through. I talked to him about Luca as a person. He had uh, only good things to say. Um I talked to him about Slovenia. Uh, certainly you are someone who is who has been to that region and understands the passion that small countries have for their for their athletes mm-hmm. um have you been to slovenia itself i know you went to yeah uh, to i've Serbia. been to i've been to ljubljana i've been to lake bled i've been there a few times yeah i love that place uh, i hiked the uh, triglav it's beautiful you've, you've you've been there way more than me then yeah I, yeah uh, i've spent a lot I, of i spent a lot of time down there i actually I, spent uh new year's at lake bled and um oh, they got man. a freak snowstorm while we were there uh, my wife and I were staying in Tito's uh, former summer residence, which is now a hotel right on the lake. And uh, just one of the most beautiful scenes I've I've ever encountered in my entire life. Like it looked like something out of like a Disney movie. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Lake Lake Blood is is their their probably their most famous tourist attraction yeah. outside of out of Ljubljana. For, for anyone listening, it it's the it's the, got the church in the middle of the lake. Like it's an iconic thing. You you'll see it and you'll say like, "Oh, I've seen that before." Yeah. What, um, what is the what's the Slovenian New Year's tradition? Is it you know, do they um, shoot off fireworks? So at Lake Bled, they did they did some kind of show like that, but they did a procession around the lake. Um which we took part in, which you know, was interested. It was like a candlelit procession. Um it was interesting. It was, uh, you know, and we were the only tourists in town, it felt like. So uh, they, they treated us like we were part of the crew and we hung out. It was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And just yeah. generally, that's that's, you know, certainly the way they treat um, tourists oh, yeah. and, and, and foreigners and just just in general. Uh, well, that's I all. Felt, I'll say that's all so over welcomed. Europe. I would say that's all over Europe, but but that's in particular fair. Slovenia, which you know is like I call it, uh, you know, warmer Austria, um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean they're great. The, the people are amazing, and I mean Ljubljana is just a beautiful city. So, right, right, right. Yeah, welcome, I, to, I view... welcome to <laughs> travel with David Tim. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and then and then we can move on uh, to to the second part of this podcast. But I view um, as a journalist covering the Mavericks. I view Luca as an excuse, as a reason, as a encouragement to start to understand very closely another country and its mm-hmm. society and its culture and its people. Um, that's a good thing to do anyway. And now mm-hmm. I have a expressed reason for my work, you know, as well as my own personal interest uh, to to really understand that. So that's why in this one on one with with Draxler, you know, I asked him about four or five 
questions that were, you know, or maybe three or four that, that were more about Slovenia than Luca itself and just how they treat him and how they view him. And I think all the, all of that is, is really important. Um, because it's interesting and, it, and it's, and it's a cool time. It's, it's a neat opportunity to expand boundaries and, and start to understand, you know, a, a global world that, that, that we live in, you know, there's no, no excuse not to, um, you want to, you want to, you want to take a quiz? You ready for this part? Uh, yes. And, and, you know, I should say, uh, not being a lifelong Mavericks fan, uh, puts me at a distinct disadvantage with this quiz. So, um, I'm prepared well, let me to, explain what I did here. To be embarrassed. I made a very difficult quiz um, mm-hmm. that is not supposed to be aced. Is not supposed to be even, you know, you're not even supposed to get a passing grade unless you're a diehard fan. Not just of the Mavericks, but also of the Athletic. Because one thing I did is go back through some of my most interesting reporting moments mm-hmm. and highlighted trivia and tidbits from those stories. Okay. Um, which is maybe self-serving, but I, I think more importantly, it's a cool way to highlight stories people may have missed. And I wrote the questions and then the answers as if I was writing an article. I, I, I am not trying to trick anyone. I am trying to convey interesting information about this team uh, that, that I've discovered over you know the, the two plus, you know, just over two years I've been on this beat. And uh, I, I, think, I think it was successful. I think people, for the most part enjoyed it and understood what was happening and even the people who um did poorly uh had a good time and learned some stuff so for example i, I believe you have this open so i won't read the it's, it's multiple choice um for those who have not taken it there are four answers for everyone uh, i won't read the answers because you have them in front of me but i'll read the questions you know so so for example mm-hmm. the first one is not actually from an article it's just a just a stat-based question but it says the the current Mavericks, the 1920 Mavericks, are on pace for the most efficient offense in league history. Which Mavericks team previously had the most efficient offense in franchise history as measured by basketball references offensive rating? So that's that's an efficiency um, yeah. adjusted for possessions uh, one. I'm going to say in, the 86-87 Mavs. You are correct. But Boom. most people were not. What What would make you say that, that, that team? So I'm a very good test taker. <laughs> so your options are 01, 02, 03, 04, 14, 15, or 86, 87, right? So right. to me, the answer is obvious. But also, I know that the league played at a high pace back then compared to the early 2000s. The 14, 15 maps could have potentially been close, but... My gut said 86-87. A lot of people answered the 14-15 Mavericks because they remember that team was on pace to be the uh, the league's best offense ever. Mm-hmm. But that was only for you know about a quarter of the season, and then the Rajon Rondo trade happened. And Rondo mm-hmm. stuck, mired up the offense, or, or there's there's a word I'm looking for, but you know, clogged up, clogged up the offense and it it was it was not the offense was just not good after that but there was something about a historically good offense associated with that team which is which is why i put it in there and i think that probably did confuse some people only 84 people got that question correctly uh correct so so that was a wow that was a hard one um let's see what else let's see i've got some dirk Nowitzki alley-oop stuff um which mavericks head coach recorded the fewest wins um you know Jason Gallagher and Isaac Lee, right? Of the of the Ringer. Yes. You know Hallelujah, right? I mean, listen, I managed to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was uh-huh. awesome. 
Yeah. We'll skip past that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, a younger Dirk Nowitzki was pranked in an episode of Punked, where a child actor repeatedly approaches him at a restaurant asking him to sign increasingly ridiculous sports memorabilia. Who did the prank producers first approach with this idea? First off, do you have any recollection of this of this um, episode? I feel like I remember Dirk being on Punked, but I don't know. I, I actually, I don't know. I didn't watch that show. Right. But I, I feel like I saw a clip of it, you know, like somewhere. Um, right. I'm going to say that they first approached Steve Nash. See, so here, let me... Uh, let me let you try again and tell you this episode happened in 2005. Oh, mm-hmm. huh. I don't. I don't know. Michael it Finley. Was Finley. It was Finley. Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finley had uh, met a producer, and and so again, this is kind of goes back. I explain how and why, and I even link to the story I wrote about this uh, in in 2009 or t- uh, sorry, uh, 2019. Years are weird. Time, time is time is flat. Uh, is is a is a flat circle now. But yeah, Finley had met a producer, and the producer reached out to him, and then Al Whitley, the equipment manager, and Sarah Melton, the PR lead at the time, uh, both got heavily involved as well. But uh, those yeah. those were the answers, and, and and Finley was the correct one. Yeah, it didn't. I didn't watch that show, um, but I, I do remember. I don't know. Like, I just remember the image of Dirk in a giant T-shirt. You know, it was 2005. That, I, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know. You should, you should read the article. It's fun. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, well, maybe, maybe send me the we, link. Yeah. Send we me can the link, link. in the show notes. I, I hear there people say that on podcast, but I've never said that. So yeah. I feel like I've reached a new podcast level. It's like an there Xbox achievement has just, yeah. we'll link it in the show notes. You say it just like that too. Oh, we'll link <laughs> it in the show notes. It's just like a, oh yeah, we know what we're doing. We're experts here. Um, <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki led the Mavericks in win shares every season from 2000 to 2013, or, or I'm sorry, until the 2012-13 season. Uh, he missed about 30 games with a with a knee surgery that year. Would you like to guess which player led the team in win shares? Um, it, it's not the best stat win shares. It's all right. What you year know, was this? The the 12-13 season, one year after the lockout, two years after the championship. Uh, Vince Carter, OJ Mayo, Darren Collison, Sean Marion are your options. Wow. Um, <laughs> OJ Mayo. I believe he was the leading vote getter, but he is not the correct answer. It's Vince Carter. <laughs> we, wow. Yeah. Vince Man, Carter was very good during his three years with the Mavericks. It, it goes. Well, it was, just, the, it was the tail end of when he was a good player. Correct. Um, but it was also him fully embracing his role player status. One of the best transitions of a star to role player that the league has ever seen. I would say. Yeah. Him and Jason kid. It's amazing how that, how that happened. Yeah. Interesting. Kid, yeah, kid is, is a good example. So I, I call Jay Wright, the coach at, at Villanova. I call, I call Villanova role player. You <laughs> Carlisle might be the greatest role player coach in NBA history. I think the Mavericks front office also does a good job finding as, as we call it junk, junk pile players, junkyard yeah. players. Well, they find guys that are going to come fit into castaways. the culture, right? Yeah, but fit into the culture. And, and they reform them. You know, they almost did it with OJ Mayo. Speaking of, 
they they certainly did it with players like Al Farouk Aminu, Doug McDermott. You know, several players have come through Dallas, revived their careers, and then gone and signed contracts. Yeah. Let's do let's do a few more, and then uh, we're not going to do every question. Um, there's not enough time for that. Well, after Mark Cuban purchased the Mavericks in 2000, he hired Matt Fitzgerald as the team's vice president of marketing and tasked him with the team's rebranding or branding redesign, which resulted in the jerseys and logos the team still uses today. Uh, Cuban provided these three instructions. Don't use the color green. Don't use the cowboy hat uh, iconography. How do I say that? Iconography. Iconography. Thank you. Thank you. I knew I knew I had the the, the syllable. I don't think I've ever tried to say that word out loud, though. Um, but what was the third instruction out of the four options you see listed? Uh, make sure the road Jersey is blue because blue sells better. No, that, that is a thing I have heard in the years that have followed, Mm -hmm. um, and in, in a different article I've written, but Cuban in a very Cuban form actually said, make sure it goes with jeans because that's all he wore. (laughs) That, I mean, that is a good idea. If you're revamping, you should definitely be thinking about making something that people want, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and hopefully something that people want to wear. Yeah. And in his case, something he wanted to wear specifically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to get a 77 Minutes in Heaven logo t-shirt. Can we get one of those? Uh, it, you know, our producer, it, Kent, is uh, nodding his head. Yeah. Okay. I need one. I need one. Tell, oh, I, forgot. Somebody... I, forgot he's on, I forgot he's on video. I yeah, don't, I don't tell, have that, that tell the Athletic up. Dallas to send me one. Yeah, send us T-shirts and put put uh, put that link in the uh, in the show notes. That's right. For, uh, I, I will literally, it. I will wear a seventy-seven minutes in heaven T-shirt to every Dallas Mavericks game that I attend next season. <laughs> that seems unnecessary, but um, well, but also, are they going to let us attend games next year? <laughs> <laughs> Impossible to say. Yeah. In two thousand nine, a veteran Mavericks player told. Thin team scout Luca Desta, uh, this about thin rookie Roddy Bobois. Tell him to, he can come to my house anytime. We can go to dinner. We can go to the movies. We can watch film. We can study. We can do whatever it takes because I truly believe that kid is special. Bobois was introverted and he was uncomfortable with his English. Um, if you remember, he came from an island, actually Guadeloupe, um, and then moved to a small town in France. So he had a very Mm-hmm. Um, very small town origins, very humble origins, very conservative origins. Um, and Bobo never took this player up on his offer. Um, do you know which teammate it was? Uh, Sean Marion. It was Jason Kidd. Oh, hey, how about that? Yeah, yeah. Not Luca who I Desta, expected by either. the way, very good scout. Yeah, very solid. He's with the Lakers now. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was with the Mavericks for eight years or so, I, I would, I would want to say. Uh, yeah, great guy. Great, great guy there. Um, so that was from a story I wrote a couple months ago in, in the quarantine blues at, at, the, at the peak of the quarantine blues when I was, you know, just thinking about what what player would it be interesting to go back and explore their career. And Roddy Bobois, cult favorite. Uh, cult cult favorite is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he was never really any good. He was his rookie year in spurts. Obviously, he showed, he showed flashes, but it just never right. could never. If you it only together. show flashes, how good are you really? That's right. that's a fair thing to say. But I would say that he was at a there was a he was the level of player he was his rookie year was a level he never reached again because of injuries, mm-hmm. um, and the level he was at was a good player who mm-hmm. probably should have been used more. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I feel. Um, 
I also Let's think see. this is another example of how Carlisle can get the most out of people. If you're if you're a guard and you don't perform well for Rick Carlisle, it says a lot about you. Except for <laughs> Rajon Rondo, right? He's really hard on them, but mm-hmm. I, I think he often does get a lot about. I, I would say that there are examples of, of guards he doesn't mesh with, and they're out of town. Like right. Darren Collison was. Not I think if you're early. if you're an extremely high end guard, it's tough because you, you know you're not going to be treated like right. A or if you're a, now, if you're a Darren Collison and you just don't mm-hmm. mesh with Carlisle, one right. year and done. Like he wasn't right. bad for the Mavericks, but he wasn't good, and, and Carlisle did not like him. Yeah, and even if I recall right, benched him for a little bit. I'd be very um, curious about the dynamic between Luca and Carlisle long term, because right now, like it, it does feel like they give Luca a very long leash. Right, it's been explored a little bit, and you know the the final story is it can't be written now because it's it's you know the final story isn't isn't done yet. It's it's a it's just a dynamic we're gonna have to keep an eye on because it it will be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Out of the seven or eight questions left on this quiz do any jump out of you that you want to know the answer to um yes what was uh what physical ability allows Doncic to hit that step back three deceleration which is in it is a part of athleticism that we do not talk about enough right, right. james harden what? is extremely athletic because of the way he can Go full speed and decelerate in like one step. I, I don't know if it's the best article I've ever written for the athletics. Certainly not the the biggest or most time consuming or, or most reporting done for it. But it might actually be the f- my favorite. The story the story that this question is based off of. You know, I'm not the only person to come across this thing. But I wrote an article where I talked to Marcus Elliott at P3. Uh, P3 does a lot of the advanced um, biometric testing on players, and I talked to him. And I talked to a few other players or, or people around Luca, and I wrote about his step back three, but I wrote about it in the context of how he's able to do it, why he's so successful at it. And that whole story was, you know, just, just fascinating to dive into the aspects of Luca's athleticism that make him special. And I really, really enjoyed doing that. Uh, so that, that was, that was a cool thing to do. Um, you know, just the deceleration, the, the, the functional athleticism, um, you know, so just just to give one example from the article, they don't test how high a player can jump at P3 because, you know, how many times can you take three steps and, you know, how, how many times on a basketball court can you can you load up for a jump and jump and need to jump as high as you can? They test how quickly you can jump to 10 feet, six inches, because that is the average height that every rebound is secured. And so it's much more useful Mm-hmm. There are there are maybe, you know, 20 or 30 times per game that you will be asked to jump for a rebound. Um, maybe not quite that many, but that is a mu- much more functional use of athleticism to quickly get up to that height than it is to jump really high on a fast break, you know, on a breakaway fast break once uh, and you have an impressive looking dunk. Sure, it looks cool and people say, oh, wow, what an athlete that person is. But what does it matter if you're getting maybe one breakaway dunk a game? Honestly, you're probably getting right. one every five games. That's not very useful. You know, yeah. there are other uses for jumping high, but there are also much more functional ways to look at jumping in general. Uh, Marcus even told me they, they, they refer to jumping and, and they say, what is your jump vocabulary? 
as in how many different ways can you jump off one foot, off both feet, mm-hmm. uh, with your momentum going forwards, with your momentum going backwards, um, your, your second jump after jumping once, on and on and on and on. There are a lot of ways to jump, you know, or maybe a lot of circumstances that you will be asked to jump in the sport of basketball. And being successful and being able to do it in all those circumstances to them is much more useful than just a, you know, just a test of vertical ability. Um, and then the same way, you know, they don't really care about your 40 time. They, you know, they don't care about your max speed. They care about acceleration in small areas and, in in and things like that. So that's, that's one of the things I find most interesting about, um, athleticism. And, and one of the things I really enjoy writing about, uh, one of the things I talked to Draxler about to bring this full circle, uh, and hopefully if I do another story on this sometime soon, if I find another angle, uh, I'll talk to Draxler again, uh, and I'll, maybe I'll talk to Elliot again. And, and certainly I think there's more to explore within this topic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's all I got. Yeah. Uh, what do we got? 40, 40 something more days, 40 something (laughs) more days before we have actual basketball games. That sounds right. I don't know. Days are, days are no longer a meaningful measure of time for me. They just kind of come and go. Well, (laughs) that does it for this week. (laughs) That, that sounded, that sounded awfully pessimistic. Wow. Um, I didn't even mean it that way. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, it is, we do have basketball coming back soon. I think that's an exciting thing. Um, in the meantime, we have some fun stuff on the athletic to pass your time. One story we did not talk about, uh, we'll probably get into this series as this podcast goes along, maybe even next week. Um, I'm doing something called state of the Mavericks. Um, you could also call it like dynasty and waiting. And it's really examining the big conceptual questions that the Mavericks have to answer, as they're trying to build a team around these two superstars, these two young superstars who they believe can be the best two players on a championship team. So uh, make sure to read that. There's a story up today on the athletic Thursday morning uh, that that's, that's online right now. And uh, you know, take that quiz that published earlier this week uh, on Friday morning, I'm publishing a mailbag uh, Mavericks mailbag. And beyond that uh, we will see you next week with another episode um, probably with Dave Dufour as well. Seems like I can't get rid of him, so uh, I would imagine he will be here. Thanks for listening. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Coach! That is a wrap. <laughs>